Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are in the third week of our sermon series called Learning Forgiveness. And remember, what we're doing in this series is not only learning about how God has forgiven us, but also how we as Christians have been forgiven by God to forgive others. So in week one of this series, we began by looking at how through the cross, God out of his unconditional love and longing for the world has offered every single person who has ever lived the gift of forgiveness, which we just need to accept. Then last week, after setting our foundation in God's forgiveness, we started to get into how God has not just forgiven us so that we can live forgiven, but has forgiven us so that we can forgive others. And all because forgiving others is actually what's best for us, or forgiving others is actually what sets us free. But now that we understand God's forgiveness and how forgiving others is what's best for us, today what we need to get into is how forgiving others is also how we play our part in helping God to bring about the salvation and the restoration of the entire world. Or how forgiving others is one of the main ways we are being called to bring heaven to earth in all that we do. And to help you see all of that, we're going to be delving into the strange yet powerful parable of the unforgiving slave in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. So the parable begins. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Or the picture we're given in the opening section of this parable is of a king who's trying to find everyone who owes him money so that he can get paid. And surprisingly, what he finds as he is going about this collection is that there's a slave out there who actually owes him 10,000 talents. That's right, 10,000 talents, which is where this parable gets really, really interesting. Because when you start to do a bit of research on just how much 10,000 talents is, what you will find is that what Jesus is doing here is giving us this exaggerated amount of money, like a billion gazillion, to make the point that this slave's debt is so big, he will never, and I mean ever, be able to pay it all back. Or to get a bit more technical, one talent in the ancient Roman world was equal to 20 years of a day laborer's wage. Which means it would take this slave at least 200 years to pay off his debt. Or to put this into modern terms, in today's economy, if you assume that a day laborer makes about $20,000 a year, then that means one talent is worth $400,000, while 10 talents is equal to four billion dollars. So what Jesus is doing to set the scene for this parable is exaggerating to make the point that this slave's debt is so enormous, he will never be able to pay it all back. So of course, then this happens. As he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children in all his possessions and payment to be made. 
Or like was done when anyone in the ancient world was not able to pay their debts, the king ordered this man, along with his wife and children and all their possessions, to be sold so he could at least get some of his money back. Which no doubt put this slave in one of the most desperate places anyone has ever known. Because not only is he facing a life of slavery himself, but it's also the case because of his debt that his wife and children are going to become slaves as well. So, of course, in response and out of his desperation, the slave fell on his knees before the king saying to him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Or in this desperate place, this slave, knowing that he can't possibly pay that debt, begs the king to be patient with him by promising to do the impossible. And all because that's what you do when you're faced with the horror of slavery or faced with the reality that you, your wife, and your kids are about to become someone else's property. But surprisingly, that's not what ends up happening in this particular parable. No, instead what happens is that as this slave begs for his life and the life of his family, is that this king takes pity on him by doing the unthinkable. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. The Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. Or this king, going against everything that is logical and rational in his world, goes against all of that and actually forgives this slave a $4 billion debt. Or to get a taste of just how big and life-changing that kind of forgiveness would have been, just imagine if someone came into your life and paid off all of your debt, then multiply that by a couple of billion. Because that's how big that forgiveness is. So, as you can see, the main message that Jesus is trying to open us up to in the first part of this parable is just how incredible and even scandalous God's forgiveness really is. And that our God, against all logic and all reason, is willing to just simply forgive people who do not deserve it and could never pay it back which is about as big and life-transforming as it gets when you experience it. But to take this parable even further, what you also need to see is how this forgiveness will affect this family for the rest of their lives. Because in a moment, this family goes from facing a life of slavery to now being a family that is debt-free. That's right. Now being a family that is debt-free or forgiven a debt which has been ordering and controlling their lives, you know, since it started, and a debt that, if not forgiven, would have continued to control them for the rest of their lives. So what that means is that God's forgiveness is not just about forgiving us our debts or forgiving us of those things that we don't have the ability to pay, but it's also about setting us free or about releasing us from all of those things that, we have done to hurt others or to corrupt the world so that we can be set free to go out and live into the incredible lives which God has created us to live. Which is just as life-changing when you think about it. So again, it's not just about being forgiven, but it's also about 
being set free. And, and I'll give you a moment to kind of ponder that because when you get that, when you understand that, it, it's amazing what it can do for you. Now, I really do wish that this parable ended there so that everyone would kind of go on and live happily ever after. But as you know, that's not what happens in the rest of this parable. Instead, that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Again, that same slave, the one who was just forgiven, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And a hundred denarii is an amount of money that is equal to about three months worth of work, which is an amount that could have been paid back. So you would think, given that this slave has just been forgiven a $4 billion debt, that in his joy and gratitude, he would do the same for this one who owes him money. You know, a kind of paying it forward, if you will. But sadly, that's not what happens. Seizing him by the throat, he said, pay me what you owe. Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Have patience with me and I will pay you, which notice the exact same thing that he just got done saying to the king as he begged for his life. But even though that's the case, or even though this man has just been shown incredible mercy, this forgiven man chooses not to forgive. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. He went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. Which is a move as you continue to read this parable that, that is not going to work out too well for this man. Because eventually when the king finds out what he has done and that he hasn't forgiven in the same way that he has been forgiven, this king takes back his forgiveness and hands him over to the torture where he will be beat to death. Which no doubt puts into perspective that in the same way God has forgiven you, a debt that you could never pay, you should forgive everyone who has done something to you. Or you should forgive people in the exact same way. But again, to take this parable even further, what I want you to imagine is that instead of this parable playing out like it does, that it plays out like it's supposed to. And that instead of this man who has been forgiven, not going out and forgiving someone else, that he actually chooses forgiveness. Or he chooses to do what the king has done for him. Well, if that were the case, or if that's how this parable played out, which is kind of the direction it points us in, then the picture we would be given is not only of a servant who has been forgiven a debt that he could never pay, but now you have another servant who has been forgiven and set free as well. Which means everyone kind of goes on and lives happily ever after. But then to take it even further than that, imagine that this forgiveness that starts with the king begins to spread like a virus. In that everyone who receives forgiveness turns around and forgives others in the exact same way. And then imagine this forgiveness going on and on and on until everyone 
is forgiven of everything. Or until everyone is set free, like God has ultimately set the reset button on the entire world. Well, that, my friends, when you think about it, is the point. And exactly why God has not just forgiven us so that we can be forgiven, but has forgiven us to forgive others. Well, hopefully now what you're starting to see as we bring it all together is that the reason God has called us to forgive others in the same way that he has forgiven us is not just for our own good, but is actually for the benefit of the entire world. And all because forgiving others is one of the biggest ways we get to play our part in setting others free. Or forgiving others is how we participate in the salvation and the restoration of the world. Or how we get to play our part in causing heaven to come crashing into earth every single day. Or may you come to see that forgiveness is not this small thing that we have to do, you know, to set others free and to kind of set us free. But it's a part of God's big plan to save, redeem, and restore the entire world. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And again, we are so grateful for your forgiveness. We are so grateful that um, even though our debt was so big, we wouldn't be able to pay it back, that you have offered us this gift, which all we have to do is accept. But even more than that this morning, O oh Lord, Help us to understand that the reason you have given us this gift, the reason you have forgiven us in such incredible ways is not just so that we can be forgiven, but it's so that we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So that we can go out in, in the same way that you have forgiven us and forgive others, setting those people free. Or Lord, help us to understand that, that Christianity is not just about being forgiven so that we can get to heaven, although that's a part of it. No, Christianity is about being forgiven so that we can go out and forgive the world. We ask this all in your name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.